I would like to draw your attention tonight to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse number 18. John says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you, you, you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all have knowledge. I like the way the English Standard Version says it says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all, you have knowledge. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach on this topic tonight. The wisdom of the anointed. The wisdom of the anointed. I've come to remind someone tonight that you are not average. You are not ordinary. You are not like everybody else, but there is an anointing on your life. Oh, I thought I have at least 10 people that would agree. I said you have an anointing on your life. And with that anointing, God is going to use you in these last days to accomplish his will and his purpose on this earth. We've said it many times, the greatest days of revival are not behind us. They're right here, right now, because you and I are anointed by God for this time. Amen. If you believe it, I want you to lift up your hands one more time and let's pray together, shall we? God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that your spirit would speak in this place tonight. Let it not be the words of man, but Lord, I pray. Let there be an unction of your presence that will course throughout this service. God, we give you praise for the works that you're going to do in this place. We honor you. We thank you in advance for miracles and signs and wonders in this room tonight. In the name of Jesus. One more time, clap your hands. Come on, clap them with all of your might right now. Come on, clap them with some expectation in your spirit. Come on, clap them with some faith in your spirit. Amen. Amen. May be seated. It was noon, and the sun being down its hot rays upon earth's surface, making these travelers already long journey all the longer. It was the second or third day these men had been traveling, and as the sun reached its midway point in the sky, they too now reached the midway point on their journey to Galilee in Sychar of Samaria. 
no doubt famished and parched from their journey, Jesus and his disciples make their way to a well, seemingly to get something to drink. But as they arrive at this well, a collective groan of disappointment begins to rumble throughout the twelve because as it turns out, there was no one at the well to draw water for them to drink. Would have been nothing, or rather it would have been extremely bothersome for them to carry such a thing as a clay pot for drawing water on a journey as bad as this and not to mention socially unacceptable during these days for a man to draw water out of a well. That was something that women did. And at this point, perhaps one of the optimistic disciples says, Jesus, maybe a woman will come by in the next little bit and she'll be able to draw us some water to drink. We're just going to hang out here for a little while, Jesus, until she comes by and I can imagine that Jesus looks at her and replies, or him rather, and replies, well, I have good news and I have bad news. Well, the, the good news is there is a woman on her way, but the bad news is, homeboy, you ain't getting nothing to drink right now. Jesus says, there, there's no way you're going to get anything to drink because this woman that is coming by, I have a special appointment with her. I don't need anyone around. I don't need anyone but her and I there. So I need you to go into town and get us something to eat. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Go on your way. And so the disciples do just that. They head into town to get food so Jesus can meet with this mysterious woman. And just as these men fade into the distance, a woman begins to appear and approach Jesus there at the well. Most of us know what happens next. Jesus begins to tell this woman things that no one should know about her. Private matters. Personal matters. Things that only God would know. As she's intently listening to all that this man begins to tell her about herself, the craziest thought occurs to her. Could it be? That this man is God? Could it be that this strange man that I'm talking to, could it be that he is the Messiah? Surely not, she thinks to herself. He can't be. He must be a prophet. Ah, uh, that's it. He's, he's a prophet. And so she says to him, I perceive that you're a prophet. And, and if you're a prophet, you must have some strong opinion about where we should worship. And our fathers worship here in these mountains. But you Jews say we must worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus responds and says, actually, there is a day coming when you won't worship here in this mountain or in Jerusalem. But there is a day coming. And now is where true worshipers going to worship him in spirit and in truth and then in the next verse it was as if you can hear the skepticism in her voice but not the kind when you don't believe not the kind when you don't believe something is true but the kind when you know something is so blissfully true that you're both terrified and all struck all at the same time and she says I don't know about that I don't know but I know this when the Messiah comes which literally Messiah in the Greek means the anointed one when the anointed one comes he will tell us all things and I'll know whether or not 
to believe what's coming out of your mouth. And then Jesus utters the statement she so was so terrified of and excited to hear when Jesus responds by saying that I that speak to you, I am he. I am the anointed one. Can I preach to someone and remind you at the onset of this message tonight that Jesus was not just a man. He was not a prophet like Elijah as some in that day claimed he was. He was not just a teacher or a preacher like the likes of John the Baptist. But just as John said himself, he it is who's coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoe latch and I am not worthy to unloose. Behold! Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Can I preach to somebody that Jesus was not just a man, not just a prophet, not just a preacher, but he was the Christ. He was the Son of the living God. He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. Come on, if all Jesus was, was some lesser form of God, we'd all be hopeless in this place. But I'm so glad that he wasn't just some demigod, but he was God manifested in the flesh. He Oh, I wish I had about 10 people that still believe it. I said Jesus was God. Jesus was God. He had the power. He had the authority. He wasn't like everybody else, but he was the anointed one. Oh, somebody of Jesus, all he was was a man. Can I tell you, his blood would not have had any power. But as he hung there on that cross, it became glaringly obvious to that centurion and all that were there that this was not just some man. Surely they said this. Surely this is the Son of God. And because he is the Son of God, on that third day, he got up out of that grave with the keys of death. And because he got up, we can get up. And because he rose with power, we rise with power. And because he was anointed, we stand here today, not average, not ordinary, not like everybody else. But there's an anointing. There's a power of God that rests on you and I. Come on, somebody, he's not a cold, dead idol in a temple somewhere created by the hands of men. He's the one who was and is and is to come. He's the Messiah. The anointed one of God. Isaiah said it this way. His name shall be called Wonderful. <laughs> Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Isaiah said, I know y'all seen prophets before, but this man is not just a prophet. I know you've seen people walk in anointing, but this man is not your average Joe, but this man is the anointed one. Can I tell somebody right now in this place, I don't care what anybody in this world says, Jesus is God, Jesus was God, and Jesus will always be God. 
know what they're trying to tell you at your at your universities and at your colleges but the devil is a liar i've come to preach to every demon in hell jesus is still god he's still on the throne and because he lives i can have the anointing because he rose the anointing Oh, somebody worship him right now if you're thankful that you are anointed by God. Oh, somebody give him praise right now. Here's the cool part. Jesus didn't merely come to the earth, heal the sick, raise the dead, die on the cross, resurrect on the third day and bounce. That, my friends, will be the equivalent of Jesus dying on the cross, repentance, being buried in the tomb, baptism, but stopping there. We'd be alive in the flesh, but in our spirits, we'd be dead and buried in spiritual tombs and therefore powerless. But Jesus came and died for us on that cross at Calvary so that not only could our sins be forgiven and buried with him in baptism, but that that same anointing and power of God that rested on him could be poured out on us. We preached about it already this week. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That same empowerment of the Spirit, that same authority, that same anointing that rests on Jesus now, it rests on us. I've come to preach to somebody that the Bible still declares that these signs shall follow them. These signs shall follow them that believe. You're not average. You're not ordinary. But the same anointing that was on the Lord, Jesus Christ, it now rests on you. They shall take up servants. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because you're not just some average show. You're not some run-of-the-mill individual. You are anointed. My God, that ought to be enough right there to make you shout a little while. I said, did you hear what I said? I said, you're anointed. That means when you walk into your school systems, the devils in that school begin to tremble. That means when you walk into your workplace, you walk in with power and authority. That means that there is no devil in hell that can stand up to you. The same power that caused Jesus to cast out devils is the same authority that you have to march into your schools, march into your homes, march into your workplaces with boldness and say, devil, not today, not in my home, not in my school, not in my marriage. I'm not just your run-of-the-mill person. I am anointed. Oh, somebody worship right now. I say you can get your miracle because there's anointing flowing. You can be delivered because the anointing is flowing. Somebody shout yes. yes. We're anointed. By God. Our scripture text, John reminds us. 
But it is the last days. And as such, the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist has gone out to the world. This sinister spirit of the Antichrist, his chief aim is to convince any who will listen of the lie that Jesus is not the anointed one. Church, can I tell you, this is the world in which we live. The spirit of the Antichrist has thrust us into a postmodern society wherein skeptics perched on their high horse of academia hurl lie after lie about the Bible about the church and about Christianity at large to the people of God. And if we were just like everyone else, we would slip into that gnarly grasp of the spirits of this age and be deceived. But John said, you need not worry. You're not like everybody else. You are anointed by God. But John goes on to say something else. He doesn't just stop there. He said, you're anointed by God. And you know, John said, one of the distinguishing characteristics of an anointed person is not just their ability to do, it's also their ability to know discernment, wisdom. You will know all things. It's exactly what the woman at the well says when she describes the anointed one when speaking to Jesus. She says, he will tell us all things. Translation, he's going to have knowledge. He's going to know it all. And when he comes, he will tell us. And that's how we will know that he is the anointed one. Can I preach to this great conference that I'm thankful that we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm thankful for the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost and we need it. But in an ever increasingly complex and confusing world, I'm thankful for an anointing that will help me to know you see, in my flesh, I'm not smart enough to navigate this postmodern society. I'm not intelligent enough to reach my atheist friends. I'm not in my own ability intelligent enough to navigate the church through a COVID pandemic. But can I tell you, I'm not average. Pastor, you're not average. Saint of God, you're not average, but you are anointed. And accompanied with that anointing is access to a wisdom that is higher than mine. Ways that are higher than mine. Thoughts that are higher than mine. Pastor, can I tell you, you don't have enough intellect in the flesh to guide your church through the world that we live in right now. Oh, I know that you're smart. I know that you're talented. I know that you have it all figured out. But can I tell you, you will not be successful in this world, in the flesh, with your own thoughts. But somewhere, there's got to be something on the inside of you that says, God, if I don't have anything else, I must have the anointing. I must have the anointing to cover my mind. I must have the anointing to touch my thoughts. God, inspire God ideas. Inspire God vision in me. I don't want to just operate in the flesh, but I need the anointing. I need the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to give me wisdom in this age. Somebody lift up your voice right now and pray. 
Can I tell somebody in this place, some college student, you don't have the intellect to keep your 20-something friend that's starving for knowledge and community from joining some radical anti-God movement. You're not smart enough. You're not going to be able to convince them. But I believe this. I believe that God, just as he did with Moses, as he filled the mouth of Moses, and he knew just what to say to deal with that difficult anti-God leader named Pharaoh in the Old Testament, it's the same God that will give you wisdom to speak. Come on. God is going to fill your mouth. God is going to fill your mind. I'm thankful for miracles, but what God is getting ready to do is give you a wisdom that only comes from those that are anointed. I got to hurry. You see it in Matthew 10. Jesus calls the 12 disciples unto him. The Bible says he gives them power. Gives them power. Says, I want you to go out. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to lay hands on people. I want you to do all these things. He gives them power. He gives them the anointing to cast out devils. He says, I want you to operate under the power of the anointing. But while you are operating in power, listen to what he says. Be ye therefore wise as serpents. Harmless as does because the purpose of the power is for revelation and edification. But power without wisdom is the breeding ground for complication and irritation. Power without wisdom causes harm. Power without wisdom causes confusion. And so what God has to do is say, you can't do this in the flesh. But if you allow my mind to be infused in your mind, if you allow my intellect and my DNA to be infused in you, I'll give you wisdom to know how to operate. I'll give you wisdom to know how to move. Can I tell you, as much as we need power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, and we do need power, we need wisdom. Because you can have power without wisdom, or power rather without wisdom can be counterproductive, if not destructive to the mission of the church. But anytime you have wisdom, it is always accompanied with power. Can I preach to someone? I just don't want the power of God. Oh, I don't want just the power, but I want the power of God to get a hold of my mind. I want God to get a hold of my thoughts that I might have wisdom with how to navigate in this time. I don't want to just operate in my gifting. I don't want to just operate in my talent and what I'm good at, but I want God to give me wisdom to move in the vein of the Holy Ghost. I want God to give me wisdom to walk in the power and in the intellect of his spirit. It's not something that a man can teach you. It's not something you can learn in a class somewhere. But what you got to do is get on your knees, seek the face of God, and pray. God send the anointing. God send the power. Touch my mind. Touch my spirit. Lead me in the wisdom. Somebody lift up your hands right now and pray. Let me tell you what God is getting ready to do. 
God is getting ready to do things in the last day like he has never done before. Bible says, Jesus sends them and says, Behold, I send you for the sheep. Midst of wolves, be therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, before a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But listen, but when they deliver you up, when you're standing before people, and you don't know how to answer them in a postmodern society. And everybody's looking at you like you lost your mind because you're a Christian. Waiting for what you have to say. And waiting for how you're going to respond. And the moment you got there, you didn't know what you were going to say. But the Bible lets us know. Jesus tells us in that same hour when you begin to speak I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you wisdom beyond that which you are capable of. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, some of you are getting ready to stand before great men, great women, and you don't feel like you have it in you to do it. But God said, that's okay. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. My anointing is upon you. And when you stand before great men, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. When you stand before great men, I'm going to anoint you. Come on, somebody. I said the anointing, the anointing, the anointing of wisdom. You say, how can I stand in the postmodern? How can I do it? You can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Spirit of God. That's why we can't skip out on prayer meetings. That's why we can't get up in the middle of a church service in the flesh and operate in our giftings. That's why we have to be serious about this thing. That's why we have to make up our mind. I don't care who's in the prayer room and I don't care who's not. I'm going to be there because I need the anointing. I don't care who's fasting or not. I'm going to push the meal away because I need the anointing. I can't do it on my own. I can't make it on my own. I'm not smart enough on my own, but I need... I need the power of God. I want to see revival. I'm not playing games. I'm not going through the motions. But if I need revival, I also need wisdom. God spoke to me a couple of days ago when he laid this message on my heart. He said, I'm getting ready to release wisdom. To the church wisdom three types of wisdom God laid on my heart wisdom to know what to do when you're faced with a situation and it's above your pay grade God is going to inspire thoughts and I'm not just talking about preachers I'm talking about businessmen you don't think God, that's a part of God's kingdom end time plan. God wants to bless businessmen and businesswomen so that you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And God is going to give some of you ideas that you're not smart enough to think of on your own. And when you begin to do what God is inspiring you to you, he's going to bless it. And the kingdom of God is going to be forwarded in this end time. 
Come on, God is going to give you wisdom and understanding to know what to do. I'm not smart enough to have that idea, but something got a hold of me, and now it's blessed. That's because you're operating in the wisdom of the anointed. You're not operating in the flesh, but there's a supernatural wisdom. Wisdom to know what to do. God says, I'm getting ready to give them wisdom also to know what not to do. Because just because you can stand up, hear me now, some, some of you are going to say, oh, well, hold on. Just because you have the ability to prophesy and speak, and just because you speak the truth doesn't mean that you need to open your mouth all the time. Oh, no, but Brother Wilson, I want to get on Facebook and let the whole world know how, how, what, my, my, what my opinion is because, of course, my opinion is so important to the world. How could they ever go on without my opinion? God is saying, I'm trying to give you wisdom to know when to shut your mouth and be quiet because I'm trying to do something here. And if you open your mouth, uh, you're going to destroy what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bind us together in unity. I'm trying to see the end time revival. I'm trying to see people healed and delivered. Don't you open your mouth when I tell you to be quiet. You need wisdom. And last thing, God said, I'm going to give them wisdom to know who is doing and what they are doing. God is going to give you discernment. God is going to give you wisdom where you're going to know things that you should not know. When you go up, to, this is how it works, folks. People that operate in the anointing don't walk around in some trance. But as they're going throughout life, you see somebody in the grocery store and all of a sudden that unction comes upon you and you say, sir, I don't know your name. I don't know your story, but God told me to tell you that this, 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 and that happened. And God's, that's the type of wisdom that God is getting. It's natural. It just happens when you're anointed. You don't have to walk around in some spooky hocus pocus work. Come on. But it's just the natural anointing. It's just the wisdom of knowing when things are getting ready. To it's the wisdom. the anointed I hurry to a close say brother Wilson signs and wonders and miracles are really what get the attention of the world and the devil and we not we're not gonna get people's attention unless we have signs gotta have power well hold on I believe that we must have signs I believe that we must have wonders but don't discredit the ability of godly wisdom and revealing who and what you are to the world. In Luke 4, Jesus is in the synagogue. The Bible says Jesus is teaching. He's displaying wisdom. He's displaying that I'm the anointed one. And the Bible says that the world, the observers, look at him and say, man, there's something special about that guy. Not because he's, he hadn't done one miracle. He's simply operating in wisdom. He's simply teaching. He's simply telling them what, what the Word of God says. And then the Bible says this. The Bible says, out of nowhere, a man speaks out, possessed with the devil. 
said, Jesus of Nazareth, what? What do you have to do with us? Jesus, listen, has not done one miracle. Has not done one sign. Has not done one wonder. Yet what causes that spirit to jump out of that man and say, that is the anointed one of God was the fact that he displayed wisdom in teaching the word of God. Can I tell you right now, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that that devil cries out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus, thou son of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? He didn't do a miracle. He didn't do a sign and wonder. But as he began to operate in divine wisdom and begin to expound upon the word of God, the devil says, I don't know. There's something different about that guy. His wisdom his anointing is not like any man, but this must be the Son of God. He said, man, because he's operating in wisdom, my kingdom is getting ready to be destroyed. Can I tell you what's getting ready to destroy the kingdom of God? It's the wisdom of the anointed. As God begins to impress upon our minds and our spirits things to do and places to go and how to operate and how to move. Enemy's kingdom be destroyed. I want you to stand all across the room. I end with this. John says, the anointing you received. You say, Brother Wilson, well, how, how do I have access to that anointing? How, how do I have access to what God is doing? He tells us how here. says, his anointing is going to teach you everything. He says, just, at his, just as it has taught you, abide in him. He said, you want to keep the anointing of the wisdom? You want to keep what God and only God can speak and do through you? You got to abide in him. You got to spend time in his presence. Brother Gaddy said it in the, in the panel earlier. This prayer thing works. This prayer thing still works. When we get into the presence of God, we don't get God ideas. We don't, we don't get rather human ideas and human vision. But God begins to download in our spirit God ideas, God wisdom, God vision. Only vision that he can breathe. As we operate in that wisdom, we will see the greatest. We are seeing the greatest revival the church has ever seen. I want you to lift up your hands right now as they begin to sing. And I want you to begin to pray, God, I want wisdom to operate in this day and age. I want wisdom, Lord God, to be able to move how you want me to move. Come on, lift up your voices right now and begin to pray. Come on, lift up your voices right now and pray for God's wisdom. <laughs>